Hello, Annie Trenders. Welcome to the Girl Talk Coup, hosted by the ladies of anime trending. We are back with another fun topic on the table. My name is Gracie, and I am always joined by... Hello, everyone. My name is Isabel, and... This is Agnes. So without further ado, the Girl Talk Coup today will be about how our tastes in romance have changed throughout the years. Because I think anyone will look back to their middle school years and think about the time that they were reading romance novels and watching romance anime and maybe kind of questioning your taste that it was that you were doing back then. So and also the fact that, you know, we still enjoy romance to this day, but I think how and why we enjoy romance has changed quite drastically in comparison to how we once were in middle school. So, uh, which is funny, actually, because today, uh, literally five minutes ago, I just watched an anime episode of a guy going back to his middle school days, and he was, like, cringing from embarrassment, being like, I cannot believe I did all these things. So (laughs) we are going to do that today as well. To start us off, uh, I'm going to pass the baton to Isabel. So Isabel, tell me about a romance anime that you remember really, really loving your teenager years and not quite liking anymore um, as an adult. Yeah, I used to really like kind of uh, a high school anime or ones that are based in high school and one I really like was uh Say I Love You I remember (gasps) reading that Mm -hmm. and being so excited for the anime um but then I think I I kind of got uh, I just thought the bad boy trope type thing was the coolest thing ever for some reason in middle school (laughs) any any anime with that I would watch it like immediately what a mood what an actual (laughs) mood oh man sweating over here (laughs) my head's getting clammy as we speak (laughs) uh but yeah see i love you was definitely one of um um other things like my little monster too it's just kind of like having just kind of putting myself in the girl's character and then hoping that one guy like the popular guy in class or the smartest guy in class will notice me for some reason is the reason why i watched that those types of anime back in the day um I definitely haven't seen any recently, I feel like. I feel like some of the anime now mostly focus on rom-coms, um, which mm-hmm. I've liked throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I was definitely into that popular bad boy anime type in the past, for sure. And, and you said like you said you sort of used the female character as an insert character, right? Yes, I definitely use that as insert character, even though they're not you know, exactly like me, but uh-huh. I can possibly just put myself in their shoes. And, um, yes, definitely fawn over the characters, I feel like. So here's my thought, because I wonder if the girls are written sort of bland on purpose for that reason now, now that you've pointed it out. Like, it, it's it's kind of like how in Ultimate games, the, uh, the female lead tends to be very bland, so it's meant to be anyone can be her, so you can imagine yourself in that situation. So, and I think that's definitely a critique that we developed later and we talked about in our critiquing uh, critiquing shoujo sort of episode where we were saying how sometimes the main female character is actually quite bland in comparison to the other ones. It's like maybe there was there was a purpose for it, that it was meant to be sort of like an insert character method. Yeah, definitely the extreme side of that where you have an insert character who's super bland would be um, reverse harems. Yes. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like kiss him, not me. And then there was that game that we also. I felt like I had more fun playing the game than actually watching the anime. I remember doing a podcast on it with you guys, but I don't remember what it's called right now. <laughs> Wait, was it the love one that the one I didn't participate yeah, in? Yeah, Mister Love. Yeah, that one. Yeah, okay. Mister Love. So that's oh, a great man. example of where all the guys are kind are, are like characters that you could definitely fall for and i had fun watching or not watching but more like playing the game because you know i'm the actual character at least Mm -hmm. but then watching the anime itself i i kind of lost my interest because i just like the girl was yeah was definitely so bland she didn't have character and um and that's definitely what i look for these days and even though the guys are great they had like supernatural powers and things um it just it just wasn't working out for me so do you think then if you had watched this back when you were a teenager, the Monster Love one, that you would have liked it? Or do you still think you wouldn't have liked it? I think, yeah, if I was still a teenager, 
in my middle school days, um, I definitely would still be, I probably would have finished the show, I think, based on, yeah, what I liked before. I would have probably eaten that up to my middle school years. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess like, so everyone here has a general consensus, bad boy or bad popular boy is the boy to go to essentially back when you're in. I wonder why that was. Okay. I I do know we have a trope dissection for this character type later, but speaking about it now in the context of romance, I do sort of wonder why teenage girls tend to, gravitate towards that because I'm also not uh, excluded from that group. While I wasn't participating in a lot of the romance story phases that a lot of my girlfriends were having around me, for example, the Twilight book series, I never liked them as a kid. I always thought it was extraordinarily boring. I still um, I still fall into many of the other similar patterns, though, like, you know, the bad boy, which I guess you could argue to this day I still kind of like, but not to the sort of intensity that I did back then. Like, why is it that that character seems to make teenage girls' hearts go doki-doki, essentially? (laughs) I read an analysis about that a while ago. I don't remember if it was like an anime analysis or it was like a romance commentary, but I think it mentioned somewhere where the reason why girls like bad boys especially like in anime or manga is because there's like this innate feeling inside some girls that they need to like fix the bad boy and what happens is if we successfully fix the bad boy the bad boy will turn soft and good again i guess so it's kind of like that whole like redemption arc sort of thing Mm. and that you have power and sway over them versus like there's a perfectly good homeboy probably next to him is probably like not so much of the bad boy trope is like good and wholesome and we're just like that you're too boring and we go wow (laughs) (laughs) wow agnes (laughs) i'm just saying i'm just saying that's like and also it's like peak girl hormone phase as well too Mm. so i feel like a lot of our perceptions of certain groups is pretty much skewed towards wanting to help the bad boy rather than the good wholesome one on the Mm. side or exploring other sexualities really when you're young yeah that is very true that is a really good point so so isabel have you rewatched say i love you uh or uh you know reread the manga and sort of like change your mind on it like what how do you feel about the story now when you look at it yeah when I look at it now I kind of just think the story is okay I kind of treat it as one of those stepping stones in my anime adventure throughout the years that's like oh yes I have seen that um I don't really have any intention to go back and read it again or watch it again um but that's also just my personal uh take on anime and shows in general um I usually don't go back to watch them. I, maybe I'll watch certain scenes, but I definitely won't rewatch the whole thing, I think. Mostly because of the time commitment now. Yes, I don't yes. really have the time to go back and yeah. watch. Yes, but, agreed. Um, yeah, I feel... And then romance anime, yeah, that's the other thing. They're just really short. So I... Especially for this podcast, I also had some problems of like, you know, I watched that, but I don't really remember what happened. When did, when did the couple <laughs> get together or... Hot take, hot take, they're all repetitive. Okay, but seriously though, the fact that you can't remember it shows like it's probably not a well-written story (laughs) because you remember the ones that are well-written or are so Mm -hmm. bad they just get seared into your brain somehow. (laughs) Vampire Knight! (laughs) There's our insert. Yes, but it's like, so in, in, in the case of it, it sounds like you've just become lukewarm to it, essentially. I think so, yeah, that's that's the perfect way to put it. I've definitely been, um, they're definitely more lukewarm to me. So out of, you know, like you pointed out, the there seems to be a shift in focus for romance. Most things are rom-com now, but even with the shift and, you know, like, decreasing adaptations of shoujo stories because a lot of these that we're talking about are shoujo manga adaptations uh, despite that fact do you, have you seen any romance anime recently re- regardless of whether it is comedy or not that you feel like maybe you as a teenager probably wouldn't have appreciated as much as you do today yeah that's a good question i'm not too sure because i haven't seen too many for rom-coms at least i feel like the ones i've seen are just Kind of ones that came out maybe like 2014, 2015. I'm trying to think of a more recent one that I saw. I can't think of any of the else than Horimiya, to be honest. I was so excited to have that ad- adapted. And I think that's the type of show I definitely look forward 
to where the characters kind of get together earlier in the series rather than at the end or they kind of tease it towards the end. Um, I feel like that's the case for most rom-coms where they just have like a bunch of misunderstandings or just kind of like chasing each other and dealing with other problems that the romance or like the couple getting together is like pushed towards the end and then there's no second season or anything like that. So I've, I'm kind of left like disappointed a little bit because I wanted to see their interactions earlier than later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's very true. You know what's funny is, uh, you know, you say you like Horimiya for them getting together early and you get to see their interactions after they start a relationship. So Horimiya's uh, popularity within our community and I think overall online from what I've seen has decreased as the series continued. And obviously there is contention on one end with manga readers being like, oh, they skipped so many materials, which I can't speak to because I don't read the manga. But then on the other end with anime only watchers, a lot of people were upset because they're like, oh, we want to see the process of them getting together. Like, I don't care about what it's like after like they get together. It's boring after that and stuff like that. Do you think there is a possibility that a lot of people feel that way because the anime community is, whether we like it or not, still very, very young in the U.S. and encompasses a lot of teenagers. Do you think that's why that they were sort of disappointed that Horimiya was like that? Yeah, I think so, actually. Now that now that you mention it, it's possible that since, you know, it might be, it's geared towards a younger audience that they kind of want to see that process of how how to ask out your crush or how, how crushes start and not um, get together so fast in a sense. Um, so I think that's possibly a reason why they wanted to see that. And it's also because I feel like most of the other series, I can't really name too many series where they get together that early. So a lot of other series kind of um, also have that in a sense uh, that they they kind of start off as a rom-com and uh, they continue that throughout the series. So these um, people who have watched those are kind of kind of thought Horimiya was just going to be like those, right? Maybe like a slower pace of, you know, having Hori and Miyamura get together. So they were kind of expecting that, but they didn't get that. Instead, they got something else, uh, something that was different in a sense, um, kind of having those focus on all the different characters that were in the series rather than just Hori and Miyamura instead. Uh, you know, for a majority of the series. I will also say, though, just as an overall observation, was when I was still a teenager, while I didn't personally look for having a romantic relationship at all, uh, a lot of the girls around me were romanticizing about the idea of a romantic relationship rather than thinking about what it really means being in one. And so I think that might be another reason of why it sort of uh, or why there's sort of this discrepancy with Horimiya, because if the majority of people watching Horimiya are teenagers, they're they're thinking about the idea of getting to that relationship as like sparkling and like flirty and like something so exciting. But and the reality is, if you get into a very nice, stable relationship, your your uh, your day to day activities with your significant other is actually quite mundane, which is actually good, you know, because that means that you're able to interact and live with each other very, very normally working like partners in life. But as teenagers, you don't really want to imagine it that way. And so you're not really so much interested on what happens afterwards, where if in Horimiya's case, where it is a very stable relationship, you see how mundane things can be between them while still being very sweet versus like getting there with the heart racing and the crushing and the stuff like that. So that's sort of my own personal uh, take as to why um, teenagers are more interest are like the anime where it takes longer for them to get together because they like the the heart racing the heart chasing time because they don't think further past of what it means to get in a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some of the anime too. I think Horimiya is um, a little different in that they like they're very it's very normal in a sense. Yeah, other anime um, might have like supernatural tied in just like a little bit just to mm-hmm. spice it up really, and then these yeah. characters you can't really relate to because you know they have powers and things like that but that kind of makes it more interesting right which is why you know we we kind of gravitate towards those series as well i also want to point out that it's also because when you're 
media likes to feed a lot of the drama and the sensationalism of like breaking up, you know, people being in like misunderstood situations and things like that. And so when teenagers are exposed to that kind of thing, I feel like that also ties into their whole romanticizing what a relationship is like. And they get kind of uh, excited or thrilled by the sensation of drama happening. I feel like when I remember going through high school, a lot of girls were really leading into like the tea, the gossip of why X, um, person XY got broke up with like, uh, person AB. And it would like start this whole drama fest that people were just really invested in and put their time and energy in. So I feel like for a lot of anime watchers, they kind of expect that too when they watch romance animes, that they expect to have a lot of misunderstandings. They expect to have a lot of really interesting things that spice up the drama rather than the actual mundane parts of the relationship that signify that it's stable. Like I know you have examples like let's say... Uh, like, well, I think we mentioned this earlier in another podcast about my love story, for instance. They got together really early. They're <laughs> like, really, like, right yeah, off the bat. Yeah, they like, did, the first, yeah. Like, one to two, three episodes. And it might not be the show that appeals to the most people, but I know a lot of, like, long-standing couples that I got to know throughout, like, college and then afterwards who say, like, this is very wholesome and sweet and this is what they're looking for in a relationship rather than, like, all the juicy drama that comes with it. Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree with that as well. And, you know, I also agree with the point that Isabel made previously where it's like even in shows where they get together quickly, there's some other element involved. Like, uh, you know, like yeah, Rascal Never yeah. Dreams of Bunny Girl Senpai. That's a very, very stable couple. And so they have to add in the supernatural elements to sort of keep things rolling in a way that doesn't becomes mon- doesn't become sweet and wholesome and mundane but the most important thing i think is to show that how much like how much it changes because i do know for a fact that one of my friends who i've known for a very very long time she did not like this horror mia-esque story this my uh my love story you know storyline where they get together fairly early and it focused on their mundane relationship life afterwards she wanted that you know misunderstanding and like you know that chasing and you know stuff like that but then i i can also say now as an adult with me the animes that she likes to watch for romance are now my love story and horror mia so <laughs> show how like how your view on what you see as romantic changes as you get older um which i just find fascinating as a whole but yeah so uh, agnes uh you know we we're getting to these heavy discussions about these past and presents but you know i think you're uh i'm really curious to hear what you have to say because you mentioned before that you know growing up you uh well i don't know about you isabel but you know like we have a big difference as in between you and me agnes is that i grew up in an area where you know anime isn't really um where anime is not well known and not well watched. And I grew up with a bunch of like uh, girlfriends and sisterhoods or Isabel did as well. And then you mentioned how, you know, you grew up in an area where being nerdy and being otaku was actually very, very normal. And you hung out with a lot of guys and you had a lot of bros. And so, um, so I'm really curious, like on what your take is with when you were younger and a teenager and you're watching like these romance anime and how that has changed for you throughout the years. (laughs) So that's really interesting you brought that up because as you said that segment, I was thinking to myself, I think I might have been a really closet shoujo person. Oh! <laughs> growing up instead. I actually didn't talk too much about romance animes or shoujo animes just because most of my friend groups weren't super interested in that type of stuff. So I was the type of person who would like grab my like you know first gen iphone or whatever i could find as like a, a source of reading material and then like dive into the covers and like flip open a shoujo manga that i could find online like anything i could find online i think like wow. my earliest memory is like reading through a lot of like shoujo one shots and like shorter shoujo stories that would never get animated but they were so good <laughs> and i really <laughs> i really looked that up <laughs> i consumed it like there was no tomorrow and then at one point i stopped because i'm like Oh, there's nothing else to read. There's, there's everything. All the content's boring now, so I have no idea what to do with myself. Um, yeah, I, I and then you know, like at the same time, I was also really big into like the the YA novels and the mm-hmm. romance. But then at the same time, I also dropped it too because I'm like, wait, they're all the same. It's all the same formula. How boring! And I switched back to watching more action stuff afterwards. <laughs> no, yeah, that you make a great point. I feel like. You know, as a teenager, you don't know what that formula is. 
Yeah, so it's like, you keep you think it's fascinating. <laughs> yeah, so then, like, when I figure out the m- formula, it's like, oh, there's always two male leads. There's always that secondary guy in the lead or something. And then, you know, maybe at the end of the manga or something, they get married. I'm like, okay, that's great. Um, can we get something else? Or can I find <laughs> something else now? Next, please. <laughs> no, yeah, I totally agree with you. It's just, it, it becomes very repetitive. There are some shoujo series, like, let's say, oh, God, I remember skimming through this one, Gentleman's Cross Alliance, where instead of the girl picking a guy, she ends up marrying both of them. And I was like... What? That's, like, <laughs> like, that's supposed to happen because like she gets she she gets to know them in the the beginning of the series. They join like a club or something. It's like this like elite school academy kind of club, and you realize like the two main leads are diametric opposites of each other. But she's clearly attracted to both of them, and I guess has an emotional resonance with them? Question mark. And then by the end of the series, because I skipped all the way to the end, I was like, "This is boring." She gets married to both of them, and I'm like, "How? How does this work?" Is this okay? A- but okay, you gotta this- give it props for subverting expectations with that ending, though. <laughs> it did. <laughs> it really like blew my mind. I was like, "Is this possible in a shoujo romance?" <laughs> And but, neither of them were like the childhood friend. They were like two very different. It's like it's like as if um the the fruits basket ending in the, from the original show where uh when the anime stops, it's just like Toru kind of like skipping off in the sunset with both Kyo and with Yuki. Okay, <laughs> but I feel like things. it's still not as solidified as you say that she <laughs> literally marries both of them. <laughs> yeah. It was weird. I'm like, okay, maybe this is progressive, you know, polygamous relationships. I can't say uh, to anybody what relationship works and what doesn't work, but it was a very interesting time, <laughs> to say the least. Okay, so is that the one that you want to talk about? No, that's not the one I want to talk about. <laughs> but like I was saying, it's like some shoujo's like definitely throw curveballs, but most of them follow a very like it's a very specific formula where you know they 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 meet. They do the, 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 what's the cute and meet? What, is that the word cute and meet? Meet and cute? Meet cute, I think. <laughs> meet, meet and cute, yeah. They do the meet, meet and cute. cute. Yeah. Then there's some drama. Then, you know, there's some misunderstandings. They kiss. They say, oh, I love you. I would never do that to you again. And then they get married or something. And then, you know, that's the end of the story. Um, the one that I do want to highlight that I was like really intrigued for the longest time, and it is based on a visual novel. And this is going back to our Odin game trope, is Haoki Demon of the Fleeing Blossom. That was really hooked onto for like the longest time. Oh, <laughs> oh, I just hear oh, gas. Oh, I remember this one because I saw an AMV for it and it was like a lot of kissing involved. And I was like, yes. <laughs> Why did you say yes? <laughs> that was me in middle school. I found it when YouTube was still very new and there was a crap ton of anime AMVs because that's where they lived. They breed and lived in, um, in YouTube. And I just kept bouncing around until I got there and then I forgot the song, but the song was perfect. And I was just like, Oh my god, they're so in love. And so, um, but continue. <laughs> I think Haoki really, I think Haoki appealed to me in a different way other than the romance. Is like, it had a lot of history because it's based off of the Shinsengumi, right? right and there's nerd. like supernatural elements. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. Uh, <laughs> there's also like, you know, a supernatural element. There, There's like a, a disease that's going around that's turning a certain human populations into like demons and there's like pure blood demons going around as well so it's very interesting if you forget about the main character that's totally fine you can just focus on the rest of the plot and what i found interesting for the anime is that unlike a lot of the other in retrospect now right unlike a lot of the the shoujo vns where you know the main character ends up in a specific route in haoki at the end spoiler alerts everyone dies Every single oh. love interest dies at the end of Haoki. And I thought to myself, like, wow, wow that's kind of, that's actually kind of smart. Cause like, that's pretty every gutsy. single histor- yeah, pretty gutsy. Cause every single historical figure in Shinsengumi passed away from like very tragic circumstances. Many of them either like disappeared off in the battlefield and you never hear, never hear uh, accounts of them again. Um, you have, uh, one of them dies from, uh, tuberculosis. And another one, uh, was it? Hichikata Toshizo flees to basically Hokkaido and tries to like start the Ezo Republic, right? 
But in Haoki, every single character who you're supposed to be romance to, regardless or not, they turn demon or not, they all die at some point. And so that the MC is kind of like left on her own to like deal with the aftermath and the fact that the world's like rapidly changing around her. And so at the time, I thought like, wow, this is an invigorating story. Now I'm just a bit more lukewarm because I'm like, yeah, the MC kind of sucks. But the, 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 the route was interesting, at least. <laughs> like the end route. <laughs> Yeah, the end route. It was it because in the VN, you know, the the MC ends up with each of the male characters, and there is some semblance of a happier ending. They don't die off per se. So I thought that was really interesting. So I guess like, is your issue with the anime now like um, just the fact that the protagonist is bland, or yeah, the protagonist is pretty bland. She plays mostly a spectator role with a lot of the guys like protecting her. There's a plot twist where it turns out that she is also part demon as well like part like a uh, pure-blooded demon mm-hmm. so it throws a wrench in a lot of the people's plans and whatnot um and i think that's like about it but she doesn't she she barely offers any kind of resistance or any kind of like gutsy will compared to newer shoujo f- protagonists that we see these days like in akatsuki no yona so i think that's where like a lot of my attention dips from haoki is that the main character is one completely unrelatable and two does not do anything for herself. So, so out of curiosity, then, um, were you doing the same thing as Isabel, like putting yourself in her in her place, or was it just that you were you were so intrigued with the male characters that her existence doesn't matter? Yeah, her existence doesn't matter to me. <laughs> okay, okay, oh. yeah, because yeah, see, that was my curious. I was like, because I'm like, I. I'm like you and Isabel are quite different, so I so I was wondering if it was going to actually be something similar to her, where you put yourself in it. But it's like no, literally, <laughs> just you just ignore her sort of thing. But so, but it annoys you now, is the thing. Yeah, I think because now that I critically watch anime and kind of evaluate, like I would if I was reading like a, a visual. Um, a young adult novel, for instance, mm-hmm. I would look at the characters and see like, what is their worth in this story? How did they portray their motives or aspirations? And what did they do to get it? What did they fail to get it? Mm-hmm. And as a result, like it, be- it makes, it draws me into those stories in comparison to Haoki. The MC doesn't really do anything. She just lets the world decide for her. Right. Mm. I see. But yeah, in that sense, so for, you know, based off of that, now um, what type of series do you look towards? Do you look towards you know um, ones where female characters, you know, have a personality and stuff like that? Or funnily enough, I actually don't. I I, I love Akatsuki no Yoro. Don't get me wrong, Akatsuki no Yoro is very good. But I think now these days, I'm looking more towards like office romances and Jose type of stuff. And I think it's because I like the more mature aspect of romances, but I also kind of like the real life setting for that seen in like Jose's or things like, for instance, like Wotokoi or uh, Netju, the one recovery of an MMO junkie. Those ones oh, you like that one. Okay. Yeah, I really like that one. I thought it was really interesting because the romance that happens between them is, you know, they originally met online and then they somehow miraculously find each other again. But at the, at the, in the background, they're also struggling with a lot of societal issues in addition to trying to, like, confess their love, I guess. Mm-hmm. So here's the interesting thing because Netshu, I thought, was really cute and stuff, but I actually wasn't as big of a fan of Netju because I felt like it followed the shoujo formula but just with adults and in that end it still kind of made it boring for me <laughs> that is true that is true there is a very formulaic part about it. I guess like the one thing I really liked is Morimiya as a character because she has like a lot of these anxiety moments as an adult mm-hmm. and I'm like oh, yes I understand this a lot <laughs> okay okay I and see. yeah I guess like also the aspect of like when you're growing older and then you're playing through a lot of the like, games and you meet like an online community and stuff, there are some people that you kind of end up gravitating towards. And I see a lot of people forming like internet relationships over it as a result. But actually meeting them in person or or even like knowing that they exist outside of the internet world is a very jarring and almost very realistic thing as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's really interesting. Yeah, because um, I, I never thought of it that way, but I see what you're saying, because in a way, in a way, I do agree, like, Netju didn't make a huge impact on me, but I definitely could rewatch it more easily than, um, than high school romance anime, because 
once upon a time, those high school romance like issues seemed to be really relevant, whether it was because of me personally or like my friends around me or just stories I hear. But you know, like those things no longer are relevant to me. But Netju, you're right with like anxiety over work and stuff. Like, yeah, I get that. Like, I really yeah, get that. Like, you know, so. <laughs> and the same thing goes for Wotokoi too. You know, like Narumi working overtime. You have uh, Kabakuro who's like constantly Wotokoi stressed is, with deadlines. It's just a little different because once again, I'm too similar to the main <laughs> well uh, similarities to characters aside you know like this there's a it there's half of a spice because it's like the working world right but then there's mm-hmm. also like the mundane part of it that really makes you feel like i can connect to this much better i totally understand what they're going through and really makes you feel that you appreciate the little subtle romances that they actually have in the office of course you know office romance can get you know a bit spicy on their own but you know (laughs) we can all dream right (laughs) yes please please send me a hero taka i will take you Uh, well, okay. So I guess it is my turn. So what's funny is, well, actually, uh, out of curiosity, like, how easy was it for you guys to pick one of the anime from your past? Like, was it easy or was it difficult? For me, it was super difficult because, okay. like I said before, I kind of forgot everything. And oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I knew I watched it. I knew I saw it. But I'm also like, I don't remember what happens. What is the character's... um. Uh, but yeah, that for me, it was hard to pick anime from the past. I, I can recall all the things I watched, but I cannot remember specifically what happened is what it is. What about you, Agnes? Uh, I would say like there were a handful of shoujo that I could think of that, uh, that are actually anime, not manga. Mm-hmm. And a couple of them actually shaped my line of thinking and they weren't bad. Like let's say like Orin High School Host Club, right? Yeah. Totally shoujo, totally formulaic, but it like it has a it has a different game changer. Right oh yeah. I mean also the author herself did point out that she wrote she created tropes and then she added a specific personality trait for each of them that throws off the trope. Like she did that on purpose, which immediately makes it a little different from the rest of the shoujo uh shoujo stories. Right, exactly. <laughs> so when I was thinking about that, I'm like, I can't put Orin High School Host Club on the spotlight. Like that. right. that's not unfair, right? Mm-hmm. You can't do that. So then I was trying to like dig a little bit deeper and I'm like, okay, Haoki is is probably one of them. Yeah. Okay. Well I so I was in your boat boat actually. So when I thought back to a lot of the shoujo animes I watched I was like I actually I'm not like against them like obviously the first adaptation of Fruits Basket is not great but the first half that it did adapt was very impactful to me and you know I still I still very much love Orin High School Host Club and specifically the author you know purposefully creating tropes and then throwing a wrench in for each of them to not be a trope and then um and then I think back to Maid Sama and I'm like okay that was still entertaining (laughs) regardless it's Mm -hmm. like it's I still find entertaining so I actually had a hard time where I just kept looking through and just like I don't know like like maybe maybe it's just my tastes have changed and it isn't so much that you know, my tastes have changed because I've gotten older and my experiences are different, but it isn't so much that I dislike them until YouTube decided to give me a blast from the past and suggested an AMV video about Ikuto, the cat boy from Shugochara. Like, ah. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, oh, Shugochara. Oh, that's also a very dark place. I don't want to revisit. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm going to revisit it because that's my pick for my past. So, I loved, like, I cannot even stress enough how much I was obsessed with Shugotara, namely Ikuto, the cat boy. And it took me until probably college where I suddenly had a flashback and remembered it. And I was like, oh my god, he's a teenager who's like 16 and she's barely hitting middle school. Like, ew, like, why did I, why did I I ever think it was okay? And here's the answer. The the answer why I thought it was okay is Ikuto's a cat boy and he has dark hair and he's very angsty and he's a sad boy and I just wanted to love him, protect him, want him to find love and so it didn't matter that she was so young. So... Ah, that statement is so problematic. It's so problematic. It doesn't matter that she's so young. (laughs) It's like I think That's- back to it and I feel disgusted, but I remember how much I was shipping them in middle school. I was 
just like, yes, he needs love and she can give it to him. And I'm now I'm just like, bad teenage Gracie, very bad. <laughs> Horny punk, go to jail. <laughs> I know. Like, like, go to your room. No. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So that's my pick. And as you can see, obviously, the tastes have changed quite drastically, to say the least. I think the thing, it's like, Shilujar is interesting because it's very wrong, to say the least, uh, <laughs> setting up Ikuto and uh, Amu. Because Amu, Amu really was, like, barely uh, barely pressing to middle school age. And he was straight up in high school, probably, like, almost graduating high school. So it's like, ugh, like, no. But- I think it was canon that he was, like, 17. Oh, that makes it even worse. Why would you tell me that? <laughs> <laughs> Why would you inform me such cursed information? <laughs> because it's relevant. <laughs> Sadly. So, but the thing is, I just, as disgusting as it is now, when I look back to it, I think because it's the whole bad boy thing, Isabel, you were talking about, where he was just uh-huh. so misunderstood and alone and no one really got him except for her, that it, like, I wanted that so badly. <laughs> and I wanted him so badly. Yes. You I were was just very th- thirsty, Gracie. No, oh God, oh God, you don't, you don't even want to know. <laughs> um... But it's just like, I wanted him so badly, and I wanted him to find love so badly, and everything about him, like his tragic backstory and everything just got to me in a way that Romeo and Juliet never did. It's like, the fact that she was so young basically didn't matter to me, because all I cared about was him, and him finding happiness, and his happiness is with her, so obviously she's gonna have to get together with him, whether we like it or not. Oh god, like, just saying it out loud is embarrassing. Even so. though he tries to, like, molest her in her sleep while she's like... La, 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 I don't hear anything. <laughs> I don't hear anything. I don't condone this anymore. <laughs> Guys, it was a rough time back then, but that—that that is my blast from the past where my opinions on it have changed quite drastically. But I do want to point it out as a note of to how, honestly, how powerful that yearning for that sort of like person, that tragic person that only you can fix is is capable of doing. Because it's like in middle school, I we all knew that that a teenager at 17 but a teenager at 17 and date uh being interested in a girl who's 12 years old is not okay like we knew that ourselves the same way we knew that a teenager dating adult an adult in their 20s is also very weird and not okay but even having that mindset knowing that fact inside the my willingness to override it for the sake of him as a character is absolutely insane at how easily it does it. And I know I'm not the only one because Shugo Chara back then was very, very popular. Most of them teenage girls thirsting over Ikuto and also shipping him with Amu, basically being like, they better get together. Like, they better have moments. They There better be a kiss. Ugh, you know, throw up now. But... But it's just like, but it's like those teenage girls also know that if this was happening in real life, this would be very wrong. But it's just, it's crazy how strong of like a pool that yearning is for you to essentially override stuff that you've known was unethical since you were born. So, um, so guys, lust and thirsting is very scary. <laughs> That's my takeaway for this. Did you two watch it? Like you two must have watched it, right? <laughs> I think I almost memorized all the openings. Oh, great, great. I'm not alone on this. Isabel? <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. Sorry, sorry, I did not really watch that. Um, my sister, oh, good, younger sister, my younger sister, though, loved it. So I was dragged into watching some of the episodes, which is why I know the characters and kind of the premise of the show. Um, I kind of just all saw it more as like a magical girl romance anime, I feel like, because of mm-hmm. all the... The little, mm. I just find the little eggs very cute. I remember oh, yeah, that because yeah, my yeah. sister sure, yeah. used to draw them too. So yeah, no, no, I actually, I mm-hmm. actually like the concept of the eggs too, and how it like represents like your potential 
and like um and who you are deep down with the inside so yes I, I did like the concept for it but i'm so glad you didn't fall into the trap like i did about like drooling over my screen for a blue-haired angsty cat boy so <laughs> <laughs> you were more rooted in reality good job isabel <laughs> isabel's the more mature of us when we were in middle school <laughs> no that's so, okay i was okay. just focused on other things but yeah <laughs> so okay is as someone who did watch it and even memorize oh, no. the opening, um, what were what were your thoughts and opinions during that time? I had the same thing as you, Gracie. I was very thirsty over Ikto for sure. Um, but I think I also really liked the egg concept as I continued watching the series because I was fairly invested in a lot of the the other characters as well. Their little transformations, their fight against evil, and then the the very gray moral line between like who's good, like the academy students, and who's bad, like Ikto and the 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 and Utau, right? Mm-hmm. So I really like that dynamic while watching Shugo. Oh yeah, there was what... incest too. I remember that. <laughs> Don't remind me. <laughs> <laughs> Man, what we were willing to look away on for this. Oh, yeah, right? But then there's also a really cool, interesting fact that uh, Shigo Kara also introduced the concept of maybe non-binary from an early age. Because Nadeshko, her... You're right. I didn't even think of... No, I I was agreeing with you, but yeah, and I really like that character. Yeah, Nadeshko originally had, like, a femme-presenting, like, egg that was like, oh, you must be, like, a beautiful, gracious female. But then they also have another egg that pops up in the later series that's, like, this really cool rapper. And I was just like, wait, that's such a cool dichotomy. And then, of course, like, Uto has, like, two different sides. She has, like, the, the figurative, like, angel and demon. But neither of them are good nor bad. Like, mm-hmm. the demon may be, like, perceived as bad and the angel's perceived as good. But it's both two parts of the personality that she can work with. Yeah. You know? So I think if Shugo Kara takes out all of its problematic elements, it would be a good show. It would be a good introspection of like teenage personality developments and the potentials that people could pursue if they knew they had it, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I have a very embarrassing confession to make, but this is a safe yes. space, so I'm going to make it here. Um, okay. Shugo Chara is one of the big inspirations to one of the novels I wrote. And and it might have at one point been almost a carbon copy of the characters, except in like a medieval setting. So yeah, (laughs) that is my confession. Good news is everything's changed. That entire novel and how the characters are and everything about it has changed. But at one point it was cursed. So that's all I wanted to say. (laughs) (laughs) At one point it was cursed. I would hope that like the characters from that original draft were reasonably aged. And that was the only thing that was not cursed. Uh oh. It does not sound like it it wasn't (laughs) I mean, you could you could give it you could give it a, a pass and like batting eyelashes, like you know, it's a medieval set, uh, setting. You know, kids get together when they're like thirteen. Who knows? God, that was. I plead the fifth. I will not comment. On I plead. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, Gracie. <laughs> I'm getting kicked out for ethical reasons. Uh, okay, let's talk about something happier, something less embarrassing. So, uh, how my taste in romance have changed. So, I, t- I touched briefly upon it with Horimiya, because I definitely think I wouldn't have enjoyed Horimiya as much as a teenager as I do enjoy it today. And the same for Watakoi, for sure, as well. Um, I don't even know if I would have necessarily enjoyed Watakoi as a teenager, because I probably would think, like, their office life and stuff is just completely, is completely opposite to what I'm experiencing. But I... To sort of like keep it similar, I will pull an anime that is uh, taking place in high school that I don't think me teenager me would have loved as much as I do now, and that's Kaguya-sama. So Kaguya-sama started off, Kaguya-sama Love is War is the full name, but it started off kind of, or it started off really silly and more comedy than romance for sure. But I think as the series has continued, what I appreciated more than anything is how while the fact the characters have character development, they, it, the character development doesn't happen 
within the romance or for the sake of the romance. The character development actually happens mainly fueled by your friends and how they influence you to become a better person. And so to layer, like, you know, romantic feelings with the incredibly um, powerful, you know, I'm starting to sound like a Shona narrator, but with the incredible incredible power that friendship provides is something that I think is not talked about enough because I would say as a teenager, your, your friends probably made who you are more than any of your exes had back then and so uh and Kaguya-sama is the only one that really really explores that with all of its character developments and character arcs very very focused on friendship rather than rather than romantic feelings while romantic feelings being very much a real thing that these teenagers are dealing with and having to sort of sort of grapple with and figure out on their own and so, also, the other thing I appreciate about Kaguya-sama is the fact that they actually do portray the teenagers as being horny. Like, uh, Ishigami and um, Shirogane immediately thought Chika was talking about, essentially, like, the movement she was making with her hands in one of the episodes looked like reminiscent of a job essentially and they were like getting all excited about it because they were having horny thoughts over it or even Kaguya who after learning about what sex even is was like thinking about oh what kind of underwear does you know does Kaicho wear and stuff like that and so which is very very accurate to how horny teenagers actually are around that time and so I appreciate the anime adding in those jokes as well so so that's like my anime that today I absolutely adore and love. I think everyone watched Kaguya-sama season two. Season two is pro- is just very, very, very good. It's, it's very amazing. And I don't think I would have appreciated it as much as I would today if I had watched it as a teenager. So yeah. Yeah, I've been saving Kaguya-sama, or season two at least. Um, I saw a part of season one. Um, but yeah, the beginning was uh, hard for me to get to because it just was... I feel like there's just so many words throwing at each that they throw at each other all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but it's pretty funny. I really like the comedy as well. So I think Kaguya-sama is definitely one of the ones that's definitely emerged in the past year that everyone seems to really, really like. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad it is because I went ahead and because I know season three is coming out, but then I saw spoilers from the manga and I was like, screw this. <laughs> I'm just going to take a look at it. And the manga the manga really dives into some pretty important information for teenagers to have and discuss and which only made my respect for the anime grow more because I'm like, this is good. Because if a lot of teenagers are watching this anime, then they're able to essentially see sort of these mature topics that needs to be discussed when you're getting into a relationship, um, you know, topics such as whether you want to have sex or not. And so, and so it's just like, I think, I, I just think Kaguya-sama is just a, a really great work of like romance even though it comes off so comedic it has a lot of character development and I think it's totally worth it for everyone to check it out even if there are people who might say it's overhyped or something I don't know um I still love it um it's too new for me to decide whether it is considered overhyped now but yeah that is mine so to close off this episode it wouldn't make do without discussing one particular romance anime that has <laughs> shaped probably a lot of uh, girls, uh, a girl otaku uh, childhood, which is, dare I say it, Vampire Night. Here it comes again. <laughs> Woo! Fanfare claps. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so, okay, just, just a, a show of hands here. Who liked the anime? Because I know for a fact we all watched it. So who liked it back then? <laughs> I know the opening by heart, so that probably testifies it. Okay. What about you, Isabel? Yes. Yes, I definitely liked it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> here's my embarrassing thing. So, I denied myself liking it. I said I would never like it. It's gross. It's weird. It's creepy. There's vampires and stuff like that. And then I secretly watched clips on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> never change, Gracie. Never change. <laughs> I, I, I was falling into the bad trap of I'm not like most girls, but in reality, I was like most girls, and that's totally okay. And so, we're, um, we're all basic to one point, right? We, we all we all rely on our baser instincts to protect the bad boy. <laughs> to protect the bad 
that's fine. Okay, so we all love zero, right? Is that the, is that the yeah. general consensus? Okay. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. For, for me, the lack of better words is that Kaname can do whatever the hell he wants. Oh! <laughs> My- I could say worse things, but to keep it a little bit more PG on the side. <laughs> Honestly, I don't know. I don't know if anyone liked him. Did anyone like him? <laughs> like, was anyone team Kaname? There has uh, to be, right? I think Maybe. there is a substantial team Kaname base, but you have to be that type of fan base that likes the princely kind of character. Oh yeah, that's not us, is it? <laughs> no, it's not us, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. Are you trying to make notes to find kind of a fangirls now? Well, no, no. Oh, God, no, no. I don't want to step in that pool again. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Vampire Night. We all agree it's trash now. We all agree the incest is problematic, to say the least. At least all the, all the, uh, well, maybe not, not kind of a. Does Kaname count? Because vampires don't age the same way. Okay, at, on physical <laughs> bodies-wise, at the very least, we can all agree that they're at least in the same age range, which is better than Shugo Chara, so... Um, <laughs> but what was it about Vampire Night that was so enticing for all of us here? Should I start, or should yeah. you guys start? Oh, I'm starting? <laughs> Yeah, sure, go for it. You opened the topic. Oh, that's true. Mm-hmm. Okay. What I find enticing about it is the fact that I love Zero, and Zero has silver hair, and Zero is an angsty boy, and I just want an angsty bad boy with silver hair to love me the way that he loved Yuki, and also the biting was kind of hot. Okay, there's my explanation. Next. <laughs> the biting was kind of hot. <laughs> we will not talk farther upon that last comment. I refuse to. Next. <laughs> <laughs> Well, say your say your pieces about. Let's see. Um, yes, I did like Zero, but I think I was more interested by the fact that Yuki was kind of uh, trapped between the two. I want to say. Ooh. Not, not to Ooh, mention spicy. there are a bunch of other good-looking vampires in the school that I liked as well. I want to say. So I think that was the interesting part. Um, I feel like. I feel like, um, yeah, it was like my anime, Twilight anime version back in the day. Yeah, I, yeah. I agree mm-hmm. with that. It's mm-hmm. like the the bi the bi panic awakening. <laughs> You're like, <everyone's> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, all the characters in there are so attractive. Like, I they I are. Still, I will still hold true to that fact. Like, if I look at the manga art again, I'm just like, God, the character design is beautiful. <laughs> so. <laughs> Like, Yuki may look, like, pretty mundane, but everybody else is, like, stunning. You're like, ah, oh, yes, take Yeah, <laughs> take yeah they are stunning. <laughs> uh, I definitely did go also go through, like, that Twilight anime phase for sure. Because, like, I think at that time, vampires is such, like, a... Uh, it's not a new concept, but it's a highly romanticized concept in those, like, darker days of, like, the 2000s. Um, but then what I also really like is that Zero has a gun. And I was like, wow, that's cool. <laughs> oh, my gosh. No, I just thought like Z- I mean like Zero's like covered in chains. You know, like you know when you're in middle school, like you know those bad boys that have like chains and stuff, and then they also Kinky have like guns. You're like, wow. <laughs> okay, no, no, we're not going that territory. We're not going that territory. Um, but I thought it was really cool. Like he like he has like a gun, and he was like, um, he was raised by his foster parent to become basically a a vampire hunter, right? And I was thinking to myself, like, wow, that's like every single video game out there. That's some cool stuff. Kaname was boring. He just lived in the school in his opulence. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I'm so glad that we're off that train. But, you know, I think it's, I think it's, I think it's undeniable that it has shaped a large part of our childhood, whether we like it or not. So, (laughs) Sadly. Oh, man. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed listening to us talk about, you know, the uh, romance anime that we liked before and the romance anime that we like now and, you know, what sort of change and how we got here and also uh, embarrassing ourselves over, like, why we liked those things back then. But um, I hope you will join us all next week, everyone. Bye. (laughs) Bye Bye-bye. Bye.